You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou... Faith. It's a word we throw around so readily that we don't pause to think what we mean by it. What a Christian means by faith will be different from what their friend the atheist means by the word faith. And even within Christian circles, there are many different approaches to faith. Reformed and Lutheran Christians come down on the side of saying, faith means a great deal more than intellectual assent. In fact, there are three stages to faith that we will identify. There is knowledge. First, you have to learn the gospel. You have to learn the stories. You have to learn the doctrines, whatever it is. You have to learn them. Then there is assent. And assent is good. That's a necessary next stage. That is where you agree that those things are true. But even that is not enough. When we talk about in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that we are saved by grace through faith, the faith that clings to God's grace is a trust in the thing that you agree is true. It's not enough to have your doctrines in the right order and agree, oh yes, I think that's true and now I won't do anything about that and live my life just the same as if I didn't know those things. We trust God and so we step out of our comfort zone to follow His voice, to be conformed not to this world, but to Christ. This is hard This is hard. See, Christians don't believe that faith means believing in spite of the evidence. That's what our atheist friends might accuse us of. I have my atheist friends, so I can can say that with some uh, assuredness. Christian faith is faith because of the evidence. We trust God, not in spite of what other things come at us, but because time and time again... Archaeology, science, these different sciences that go back and look at history have confirmed the scriptures again and again and again. And God submitted himself to our scrutiny when he agreed to enter into history, first and foremost as the person of Jesus Christ, but even throughout the Old Testament, whenever he interferes in what we call miracles. God submitted himself to our scrutiny by entering into our story. As Deacon Michael said to me before church on a completely unrelated subject, God came looking for us because we couldn't go looking for God. And so we trust God because of what he has done. And trust transforms us. Whatever we trust transforms us. We become like the thing we set in our own way. 
the thing by which we set our compass point and direct our paths, we become like that thing. And what we trust makes a big difference in the kind of lives we lead. I'm not saying Christians have a corner on morality. As we see, when we look at the churches in the book of Revelation, churches full of sinners. I'm glad because it means I'm welcome here. What I mean is that we have a different compass point by which we redirect our path when we get off track. And this most often happens. We discover what we trust when we are in the midst of trial. And that's exactly what we see in all of our readings today. We see a trial going on. The church at Smyrna was, was encountering trial from the outside. They were being persecuted. Of the seven churches addressed in the book of Revelation, only two of them does Jesus have no stern words of judgment for, no words of warning. It's the church at Smyrna and the church at Philadelphia. We're in Smyrna today. Jesus only commends them for what they're doing, but they are struggling because they are being oppressed from the outside. They're being persecuted by the Roman Empire. And this is the reference to a synagogue of Satan. The thing you should know about in the Roman Empire is that there was only one ethnic group that was not required to pay sacrifice to the emperor as a god. And that was the Jews. Because they'd had so many political uprisings in what we now call the Holy Land, they finally decided, let them, we don't care, just ignore them. Well, Christians believed they were Jews who had received the promised Messiah. But the synagogue at Smyrna kicked the Christians out. And so the Christians were no longer protected by Roman law. So that when they refused to offer sacrifice to the emperor as a god, they were persecuted for it. Jesus' encouragement is for them to stay strong and trust him in the midst of this trial, despite the fact that Smyrna will become, in a very few years after this letter is written, the location of the first known Christian martyrdom outside of the Bible, the first one we have record of, Polycarp, a disciple of the Apostle John. Stay true and I will give you a crown of life. Now, a crown was something they were familiar with in the ancient world. Even if you never saw a king, you saw athletes crowned when they were at the top of their game, when they had won the gold medal, as we would say in our culture at the moment. So they knew what a crown was. I will give you the victor's crown. Stay true. Trust my voice. Trust my way, not the world's way. Lean not on your own understanding, as it says in Proverbs. Now that's tough. It's tough when all of our earthly wisdom says zig and God is saying zag. (laughs) It's tough when the trial comes from outside, but it's even tougher when the trial comes from inside. There can be trials within the church. You've seen the Nicolaitans mentioned a couple times. We're going to get to them in one of the future sermons. We'll talk about who they were. But this isn't just trials of personality conflicts or conflicting doctrines or conflicting interpretations of Scripture. Those are hard enough internal to the life of the church, which is supposed to be the community that is transformed by its trust in the Lord and His Word. 
But what, when, what about when God asks you to do something that seems completely counter to what you expect God to say? This is what we see with Abraham. This is, this is a terrifying reading. Now, it was always a terrifying reading, but it's more terrifying now that I have children of my own. This long promised child of it to Abraham. And God says, take him up on the mountain and give him to me. I don't know what was going through Abraham's mind. There's a comedian, a uh, Christian comedian, um, Jeff Allen, who says, can you imagine that conversation with your wife? Honey, why are we leaving this, this beautiful fertile land and going off, in search of, in, going off into the desert? Well, God told me to do it. Well, if God told you to sacrifice your only son, would you do that too? Yeah, about that. <laughs> Make a joke about it because it's tough. And he gets to the top of the mountain and God stops him. Talk about an 11th hour save. Abraham, not only will I not let you sacrifice your son... But through him, all the nations of the world will be blessed because of your obedience. Pastor Peter Bartolomeo, um, who's an NALC pastor in New York, often reminds us, he says, blessings follow obedience. And all of us are blessed because it's not Isaac who will save the world or Abraham, but many generations down the line, from this one act of obedience, Jesus Christ will be born. And in Jesus Christ, God will not stop the knife from falling. He will let His Son experience the death that we have all earned by our sin. That we might have eternal life. And He'll make His Son the firstborn of the dead. The firstborn of a mighty family. Our older brother in the faith. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. God made flesh. God will take upon Himself what we cannot experience and live. Here in these, this first book of the Bible, we already see the gospel being enacted for us. God will provide. And He does provide. Abraham, climbing that mountain, trusted that somehow God would make this craziness right because he knew he could trust God because even though it took a lot longer than he expected to have a child, God gave him one. Though he and Sarah were in their 80s. <laughs> How much more should we trust who live on this side of the cross Abraham lived before the sacrifice of Calvary. Abraham lived before he saw God put himself in the way of the executioner's blade. God, in Jesus Christ, gave him up as a ransom to death that we might have eternal life. We live on the side of the cross where we can trust God utterly and with every part of our lives. And if we trust Him that way, how will that transform us? Because here's the truth. It's our trials that define us. And what we trust in the midst of our trials 
that guide what we will be on the far side of that trial. I want to tell you, I'm going to give you a little preview here. Steve, could you flick the lights so we can see the screens a little better? Um, this is a preview for a movie that's coming out in two weeks. One of my personal heroes is Lutheran pastor Ricard Wurmbrand, um, who you'll see a little bit about what happened in his life. It's the one that says Lent 1. My name is Richard Wurmbrand. August 23, 1944. One million Russian troops entered my country. And then the nightmare began. You know what? I think you should perform the wedding. See you at the church in one hour. Sabina Wurmbrand. It is happening here just as it did in Russia. from the officers again? <laughs> Did you give them a blessing? And the flower. <laughs> you do know that if I speak now, you will have no husband. When he was in prison, suffering the beatings and the torture that you saw, um, he came to realize, he said, I came to realize that there were people who believed in Christ and there were people who believed they believed in Christ. And I had to ask myself which I was. We are a people who are to be transformed by our trust in God. And that experience that Pastor Wurmbrand went through inspired him to come out of that prison. And after testifying and helping to convert some of the guards there to found the organization you saw listed there, the Voice of the Martyrs, which continues now years after his death to lift up the ministries of the persecuted church to provide succor to those who are suffering. How will our trials transform us? It depends on who we trust. Let us pray. Father in heaven, too often in the midst of trial we trust our own wisdom and fail to look to you. And yet we know you are utterly trustworthy and utterly desirous of blessing us, for you have given us your Son. Strengthen us amidst all our trials, Lord, internal and external, to cleave only to you who are the author and giver of all life. We ask this through he who shed his blood for us, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.